Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. All right, folks, let's take a look at how markets wrapped up overnight. And we have the S&P 500 finishing marginally higher, closing in on its new all-time high on the penultimate trading day of what's been quite a strong year for stocks. The broad market index added 0.04% to finish at 4,783. So pretty much within striking distance of its highest closing level of 4,797, which it set back in 2022 in January. The Dow Jones Industrial Average hit a new record high, up 0.1%, around 50 points, to 37,710. On the flip side, the Nasdaq Composite gave up some ground, 0.03% down to 15,095. For more insights, we are joined by Michelle Schneider. She is the Chief Strategist at Market Gauge Group. Michelle, thanks for joining us on the show. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you. Hey, great to have you on because you've got your eye on what's coming up in 2024. Let's talk about what we are, I suppose, riding into next year with. It seems like it's been a pretty strong year. If you look at the NASDAQ, it's up around 44%. And the rest of the indexes have been doing pretty well as well. Yes, and of course, one of the greatest barometers for us in terms of the sustainability of a rally is how the small caps do. And even though they're still well underperforming versus what you just mentioned with the SPY and the Dow and the Qs all either at or close to all-time highs, it's done better, which is encouraging, but it still has a ways to go. So I think we have to keep our close eyes on the small caps, whether you want to look at the S&P 600 or the Russell 2000. Either one basically measures the same thing. Because if it can stay in the game and stay up sort of above this 2,000 level in the Russells, then that tells you that the optimism is more widespread and, mm. and continuing to spread, which is, which is, of course, a good sign. Yeah, we've seen AI and the Mexican 7 really pushing many tech names. Um, so you're looking at a potential um, spillover into the wider market, I suppose, going to anything for. Well, exactly. I mean, do I believe that AI will go away and, 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 and go, you know, the, the direction of, you know, like a dot-com type bubble? No. Um, but do I believe that AI will be necessarily the thing that leads next year? No. I believe that actually we have to see some kind of a pivot into more infrastructure in the U.S. to keep the U.S. economy stronger. A lot of that infrastructure, not necessarily the EV infrastructure, which I think has been a huge disappointment, but more in terms of engineering, manufacturing, particularly as we're talking about automation. Mm -hmm. And if we can continue to see that level of uh, confidence in the U.S. economy because we're seeing growth within the inside sectors of the economy, which of course would not only be small caps, but would be transportation, how things are moving, demand, and also the consumer then we'll have a great year. But I'm not 100% convinced yet that we'll get that kind of follow-through because of all the headwinds that we have. But so far, we've managed to sail right through those headwinds. Yeah, how is next year setting up for the consumer? Because we've got, in past year, a bit of revenge spending. So to some extent, some of the spare cash has been expended. But going to next year, you've got lower rates. So how will these factors square off? Well, that's, I think, probably uh, one of the more promising 
areas to be looking at is how the consumers spend money. There is a tremendous amount of disposable income, which is something that you don't hear very often because generally what makes headlines is about huge credit card debt, people not paying back college loans as they have to, going into default with uh, car loans, et cetera. But the truth of the matter is, is not only in the older generations do we have the disposable income, but in the younger generations, as part of the lifestyle in an inflationary environment, they've adapted with having a more modest lifestyle and not only a job, but also some kind of what we could say is a side hustle. So there is money to be spent. So I think the consumer, which spent this year traveling, going to restaurants, taking care of their family, enjoying the holidays, regardless of what was going on, next year could be a more of a shift into me, taking care of myself. We were all about we, now we'll be all about me. What I'm calling the vanity trade. <laughs> so, you know, we're looking at, yeah, right? So I'm, we're looking at fashion, skincare, beauty, uh, you know, maybe even some more type of cosmetic procedures, whether it's surgery or things like fillers, you know, things that people kind of put on the shelf because they didn't think they could afford could come back. But also even dating and maybe more exercise, more dieting. Elon Musk just came out with a diet drug that's getting very popular. Uh, that's made by Abbey Pharmaceuticals, which is one of my favorite stocks for 2024. So that's kind of what I'm most hopeful for is the consumer shifts and yet continues to spend. Yeah, you mentioned MV. So that's one of the top picks for 2024. What are some of the names you are keeping on your radar? Well, in that area of, you know, again, calling it vanity, I still like Cody very much. Um, in terms of fashion, I've been watching Ralph Lauren, TJ Maxx, BV Corporation. Uh, as far as the dating, I've been watching... Uh, Bumble, which has been such an underperformer, and Match.com, Peloton even. You know, some of the stocks that got totally beat up because the consumer money did not go into the vanity place. It went more into staples and travel and leisure and getting people out. Those are the kind of things I'm looking at, but we cannot discount the move that we've been seeing in gold. And so I still have my eyes very much not only on the precious metals, with gold closing very close to $2,100 an ounce, but also some of the industrial metals in the spillover. And I have also not fully discounted that inflation really is over and that we couldn't see any catalyst um, bringing that screaming back as we get in more Mm. into the second half of next year. So, you know, I think the, the message here is we can enter 2024 optimistically based on the basis of just what we've seen, and all the statistics that match that, including the fact that in an election year, there's only been two times in the last 15 election years that the market went down. One was in the dot-com bubble. The other was in uh, the financial crisis of 2008. And other than that, we have everything going in our favor, except we do have these tinderboxes that we have to keep an eye on. And we're still very much potentially in a super cycle of commodities Volatility is very much one of the ingredients of super cycles. It is not crazy to think Mm. 40% moves up and down 
is, 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 is unusual. It is very usual. It's just most people weren't around to see that when it happened in the late 70s. Uh, Michelle, you mentioned about gold, and this is, I suppose, worth mentioning geopolitics as one of the drivers for the action you've been seeing in prices. So when you look at what's playing out next year, you've got conflicts in the Middle East and also all the uncertainty around what's OPEC up to. How do you see energy prices going into 2024? Well, you know, what's so interesting is that I actually, well, we could see that natural gas has just been in a free fall and any type of rally that it's been having has been more of a short covering or maybe a bottom picking. I just think that natural gas is, is an area in terms of the energy uh, commodities that I would not touch. As far as crude oil, I'm not necessarily so sure I'm keen on that either. I don't think that's going to be the hot money next year. I mean, unless, of course, we get into like some really crazy situation like a World War III, I don't think that's going to happen. But I see it more as a range-bound market because we do have more supply, mm-hmm. uh, but we also have more demand. You know, the OPEC Plus didn't really have the impact on oil prices that people thought and feared it would have. Although we also have the Middle East, and now we have Venezuela and Guyana going at it, and that's been where we've been getting more oil here in the U.S. And then, of course, you know, any of those things can drive the oil prices up. But really, I'm seeing a range between $65, $85 a barrel. And so if you were kind of a range trader, maybe it would be interesting. But if you're really looking for some kind of a trending commodity, oil would definitely not be my first choice. All right. Great overview of what's to come in the next year for markets. We've been chatting with Michelle Schneider. She is the chief market strategist at Market Gauge Group. Michelle, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much and uh, happy Western New Year to you. <laughs> happy holidays to you too, Michelle. We'll catch up with you next year. <laughs> All right, stay Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.